Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Bruskin. I'm the deputy director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel, which means Jorna Taylor. Jorna is a nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin. Jorna, welcome. Good morning. And Robert Craig, executive director here at Citizen Action, is also with us. Robert. Good morning, everyone. So we have a number of topics we want to get to. We have some uh, new jobs numbers, and we have some discussions around our economy and the election, and we have uh, a little bit of Paul Ryan watch, but we are going to start the podcast with a guest, and uh, that guest is Nicole Safar. Nicole is the Director of Government Relations with Planned Parenthood Advocates of Wisconsin. Nicole, thanks for joining us. Good morning. It's great to be here with you guys. So, Nicole, the reason we have you on, uh, you're obviously well aware, but we'll tell the listeners, is because this week, Planned Parenthood of Wisconsin won $1.6 million from the state related to uh, the lawsuit around the ability of health care, uh, access to uh, health care facilities. Could you tell us, tell us a little bit more about this and why this is actually such huge news? Yeah, so this week we reached a settlement agreement with the Attorney General. Uh, the judge still has to approve it, so we have one little step, but um, we uh, reached an agreement with them about um, our attorney's fees for a litigation that's been going on for over two years. Uh, the law is Wisconsin Act 37, 2013 Act 37, and it... Um, required unnecessary hospital admitting privileges for physicians who were performing abortions um, within 30 miles of the health center where the abortions were taking place. And this law we knew was unconstitutional from the very beginning. Um, during the legislative debate and the hearings, Planned Parenthood and the medical community and um, the ACLU all explained to the legislators why this law had nothing to do with women's health and safety, why there was no evidence where it should be anything but a block to women's access to abortion in Wisconsin. The Republicans in Wisconsin signed it anyway, Governor, or passed it anyway, Governor Walker signed it. We immediately went to court, federal court, to get an injunction um, because if the law had gone into effect, um, two of the four facilities in Wisconsin that were providing abortion services would have immediately closed down. We got the injunction. There was a five-day trial in federal court here in Wisconsin. Uh, the district court judge, Judge Conley, wrote an incredibly thoughtful 80-page opinion which said this law is completely unnecessary. It's unconstitutional. The only conclusion I can come to is that this law was designed to close down clinics. So, Nicole, thanks for joining us today, um, and thanks for your great work on all of this. You said that if this would have gone into effect, it would have shut down two abortion providers in the state of Wisconsin. Um, you know, I know that we generally know that this has a huge impact on women's health and access to reproductive health care, not just access to um, safe abortions, but can you talk a little bit about what that could have meant? And, and I'm also curious, on a side note, um, about your negotiations with our attorney general. <laughs> Gosh, I wish I had been in the room, but the, 
the national lawyers who ah. did all that. And actually, uh, our wonderful partner at the ACLU, I don't know if you guys ever talked to Larry Dupuis, but he, he was our head negotiator. Um, so they did such an awesome job. Um, but yeah, the impact is really huge. In Wisconsin, something that a lot of people don't know very much about is just access to abortion is incredibly restricted. Uh, there are only three facilities now in the entire state where a woman can uh, get an elective abortion. And that is, and they're in Madison and Milwaukee. So it is incredibly difficult if you do not live in Madison or Milwaukee to get to a health center that offers abortion services. And even if you do, it still is, if you do live in Madison and Milwaukee, it's still challenging because those are the only two access points. And um, it really, we really, as a state, we need to do better. We, the, the medical community, Planned Parenthood, all of us, we, we need to figure out how to make sure women have better access. Um, but closing half of the access that we have now would have been devastating. And wait times would have um, increased, you know, to two or three weeks maybe. And when you're talking about first trimester abortions, the earlier, um, the earlier a woman terminates her pregnancy, the safer it is. Abortion is very safe overall, um, but it just, it, the earlier is, is better for the woman's health. So having to wait one, two, three weeks for an appointment, if that's just that's unacceptable. It's it's unacceptable from a healthcare standpoint, and it's unacceptable because women have a constitutional right to determine whether they want to continue a pregnancy. So, Nicole, uh, this is Robert. So, you could construct this in in several different ways. You could say that they spent one point six million dollars in the state's money and put you and other health providers through a ton of uh, a lawsuit just to prove a point to the anti-choice crowd. Um, mm -hmm. I assume their, their claim, and you've just dissected it, so I don't know if you need to say much more, that they're actually interested in women's health and high-quality health care is, com is completely in shambles here. Uh, this is just a, a clever ploy where they have something that sounds like they're interested in, in quality health care, uh, to people who who are uninitiated, but in fact is simply a naked attempt to deny uh, the constitutional rights of women. Absolutely. I mean, I think we saw that from the the trial judge's decision. He was very clear after listening to um, doctors and experts come in and testify about the impacts of bills like this. Um, the Seventh Circuit actually uh, called the law unconstitutional twice. Um, and because we were in the Seventh Circuit two times, and then the Attorney General and Governor Walker appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court, um, which, as you guys remember, in June struck down Texas's admitting privileges law, which was very similar, uh, making incredibly strong and persuasive arguments about why these abortion restrictions are intended only to block access to abortion have nothing to do with healthy women, um, healthy families, uh, and the sort of basic reproductive prevention health care 
that is needed to help women prevent unintended pregnancies and therefore avoid the decision altogether of whether or not to have an abortion. So, so Nicole, I don't want to switch topics, but... Um, and we're not completely, but I want to talk about one of my favorite people in uh, Wisconsin and in national politics for just a minute. Can I guess? Yeah. Paul Ryan? Oh, man. Oh, okay, sorry. I was going to ask Nicole if she was a longtime <laughs> podcast listener, so therefore she knew that we couldn't let a show go by without talking about our friend from the 1st Congressional District. Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan. Um, so yeah. it, it seems to me that Mr. Ryan, he of the good hair, uh, has been muddling around with um, Zika funding in Congress mm-hmm. that is somehow connected to my lady parts. I, I don't really understand, but uh, it appears that he's blaming Democrats and put the uh, put Planned Parenthood funding into a bill that would also fund Zika research and prevention. Yeah. So, Paul Ryan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's the perfect example of saying that he is concerned about women's health care. Um, he, he's concerned about, you know, women having access to health care. And every single action that he takes as Speaker of the House and as a congressperson is the exact opposite. Paul Ryan has some of the worst infant mortality um, rates in the entire country in his district. His women in his district do not have enough access to prevention health care to make sure that um, they have healthy pregnancies, that they avoid unintended pregnancies, that they can get screened and treated for STDs. It, it's just terrible when you look at the access in his district and the things that he does to continue to block access. So... This um, him tinkering <laughs> with the Zika funding, and I, again, I trying to use Planned Parenthood as a political football to um, like blow things up and then blame Democrats. It's par for the course with Paul Ryan. Something else I think that people in Wisconsin don't really know about him, um, and it's it's just the perfect example for talking about women's health and then every single day doing things with the power that you have to block access to it. Look, I, I need to play this very brief clip of Ryan this week. It, just the hypocrisy. So this is him responding to, quote, trying to blame the Democrats for holding up the Zika funding bill. You would have no idea that they've thrown in cutting funding to Planned Parenthood. I, listeners, you got to hear this. Give me a break on this thing. Uh, we passed the 1.1 billion dollar bill for Zika, which was the level agreed to in the Senate. We did the responsible thing. We did it before the July 4th recess. Um, I think that they're just being wholly partisan with these endless filibusters. Um, this is obviously an issue we're going to have to resolve this month. Um, but just so you know, the House did its job, and the Senate has been blatantly political with Zika funding. We'll figure out how to get this done. Um, but we have done our job over and over again, and I think they should drop these partisan filibusters. So, oh, my God. I'm sorry. They've done their job over and over again. Yeah, yeah no, these partisan filibusters protecting uh, access to you know, women's health. It's just, anyways. Thanks, well, Obama. So before, hey, Nicole, before you go, um, obviously this lawsuit that we were just talking about is connected to a whole battery of bills and things that 
uh, the Republicans have done here in Wisconsin to restrict access to, to equal access, quite frankly, to, to health care. Mm-hmm. We have a huge election coming up. We would. I'm very curious for your thoughts. How do you see these issues playing out either in the uh, Senate race or in state legislative races? And then also, what if we have listeners who would like to get involved with Planned Parenthood this fall in the elections, how they would, how they would do that? Well, you know, in the federal races that impact us here in Wisconsin, there could not be a bigger difference between Russ Feingold and Ron Johnson when it comes to these issues. Um, you know, I think Ron Johnson has proven time and time again that he has a very limited understanding of what women's health actually is um, about, uh, like, how women actually get access to birth control. Uh, he, hey, Nicole, he Nicole, as a po- sort of uh, Glenn Grossman camp of you can, um, like, Google it or call a 1-800 number and get birth control, which is just not the reality for women in our state, unfortunately. Wait, I don't get to do that? No, you don't. Not yet. Huh. All right. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I think that, and certainly Senator Feingold has stood up for Planned Parenthood his entire career, um, and we, uh, our national uh, team has endorsed him and we are super excited about that we will be so grateful to have him back in the senate and really um protecting planned parenthood and and the policies that impact our patients um at the state level you know we've got some great champions out there running um in southwestern wisconsin in the fox valley who believe that women should have access to reproductive health care who believe that women should make their own decisions without political interference um, about parenting and whether or not to have a pregnancy. So I think that we are seeing overwhelming support from the public for Planned Parenthood, who, by the way, is celebrating 80 years in Wisconsin this year. Um, We've been providing health care for eight decades. It's something we're really proud of. Um, and excited to talk about, but the, the public is is with us, and it's our job as supporters of Planned Parenthood to just talk with the public about it because it's just honestly most people it's not first and foremost on their mind. They they have a lot of other concerns that they're dealing with every day, and and going to Planned Parenthood isn't at the top of your list unless you need to go to Planned Parenthood, and and then. You know, that motivates you a lot. Um, But what what we're doing uh, this election cycle, and we're really excited, we've been on the ground since the middle of July, um, is talking to voters about Planned Parenthood, talking to voters about why the candidate who you vote for and how they feel about Planned Parenthood matters. And we've hit over 10,000 doors in the last six weeks and gotten incredibly positive response for the services that we provide and for the candidates that we are um, championing. Championing. So if people want to get involved and come join us, we're, we're knocking doors in Madison and Milwaukee and Oshkosh and Green Bay and Appleton. Um, you can go to our website, that's ppawi.org, and sign up to be a part of our canvas team um, and, and talk to voters about 
the awesome work that, that Planned Parenthood does. Well, Nicole, we want to thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast and and educate us a little bit about the lawsuit and about what's at stake in this election. And as Jorna mentioned earlier, thanks a lot for the work uh, everyone over there at Planned Parenthood does to protect women's access to, to good health care. Thank you guys for letting me talk about it and for always helping us spread the message. It's great. All right. Well, we'll see you down the road, Nicole. Thanks so much. So with that, we're going to switch topics, but before we do, I need to announce a winner. We had a winner, winner, chicken winner, dinner. winner. We had our, a contest last week to see who could get tickets to Trevor Noah, that is of Daily Show fame. He is having a show tomorrow night, or I guess if you listen to this Friday, tonight, Friday night, here in Milwaukee, in Carol Van Hull of Madison has won. So Carol, we're glad you won those tickets. Thanks for listening to the to the podcast and uh, we hope you enjoy the show and also want to thank Sachin Chetta, who is a member of Citizen Action who helped donate those tickets. We appreciate the donation of those tickets. So with that, let us talk about our next topic and that is the economy. We like to talk a lot about the economy here. And we had some jobs numbers this week, and uh, I want to get the panel's response. You mean it's not the press release from Walker this morning that <laughs> Walker attends ribbon cutting in Menasha? That's not what we're talking about? Well, we could talk about that <laughs> within the context of Wisconsin being ranked 33rd in job creation last year. And this is an annual figure. And uh, we continue to lag the country, and we have since 2011 in these national numbers. And uh, while I don't have it in front of me, I'm assuming we're, we're underperforming our Midwestern partners still. But uh, things haven't fundamentally changed here in these numbers. We're number 33. We're number 33. <laughs> God, we suck. We, we were promised all of these jobs, and we've remained now at 33. A quarter million, if quarter, I recall, quarter in million. 2010, were promised. A quarter million, huh? And there's been really no change since 2011. Wait, 2010, 2011. Who was governor in 2011? I'm so confused. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Jorna, you kid, you kid. And there's one other piece of data that I want to add to this and before, Robert, before you comment, too. It, within the context of Wisconsin's lagging numbers, there's some uh, good data that came out this week that shows the U.S. and in our Wage growth has been trailing other countries, especially other uh, countries throughout, obviously, throughout the world. But our wage growth really has been stagnant, in fact, has actually gone down. And so we know we've seen this in Wisconsin, and we've talked a lot about this, right? It's not just a job number problem. It is a serious job quality problem. Robert? And what is Governor uh, Walker's answer to that? Let's drive wages lower. I mean, if you want to talk about his economic policies, I know he has feel-good comments. I just want to point out on this, there's been more horrendously uh, ignorant discussion, I'll use a very direct uh, word, of the economy uh, coming from legislators, coming from Governor Walker, coming from various business interests that are framed as experts in the media and pretty shoddy coverage in the Wisconsin media of this whole thing, other than to say that we are number 33, uh, which is fine, which uh, Governor Walker probably wishes he could control like Pravda and prevent that reporting. Uh, so 
we had put out a report right before Labor Day that manufacturing wages in Wisconsin, the bedrock of Wisconsin's economy, are down on average $1,400 a year and a lot more in some places, as much as $6,000 in Janesville and Beloit. Well, not only did the lamestream media not cover this, they're now covering right now, this week, that Wisconsin manufacturing jobs declined without pointing out uh, our information on the wages going down as well, but quoting hacks, uh, hack after hack. So Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, allegedly the paper of record uh, for the state of Wisconsin, uh, story by John Schmidt and Kevin Crow, um, points out this decline in manufacturing jobs, then offers all of the apologias. Uh, we get National Association of Manufacturers chief economist, that's a trade group that represents the employers, by the way, saying manufacturing leaders need to grapple with the global headwinds stemming from a still strong U.S. dollar, weakened commodity prices, and lingering economic anxieties. Doesn't, hmm. ex doesn't explain Wisconsin being... 33rd. It's the weather. It's bad weather. Any trade agreements that might have like encouraged not creating jobs here? No, no. And no, no reason to mention that. TPP, global trade, not mentioned in this fine article. Then we get the local angle. Um, by the way, oh, we, get, we, get, we get NAM propaganda about how much manufacturing workers make, not mentioning, of that, course, that lower. they had received a press release from us about the decline in Wisconsin, which the reporters are not mentioning. Then we get some dude named... Jim Golombeski, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing his name, from Green Bay, the Bay Area Workforce Development Board, emphasized that state manufacturing jobs loss is minuscule. It would not call this, if I'd call it natural variation. Again, it's just happening. And what the job numbers don't uh, reflect here, Wisconsin manufacturing employers who are looking for workers but unable to find qualified or willing uh, prospective uh, employers to fill the jobs. Anecdotally, scam. he said, this is in quotes, I have com companies telling me they're turning down work. Now, why is Wisconsin worse? Not sure. Walks has governor, how long? He's been talking about alleged Too skill long. gap, how long? And he's been solving the skill gap, how? By cutting K-12 in education by the largest in history, cutting the uh, UW system, and cutting the tech colleges. But having little job mobiles walk, uh, drive around, that's, that's part of his Milwaukee strategy. So it's blame the workers' time, but never blame Governor Walker, even for... If it is a skills issue, which is which is absurd, by the way, because if you if you're having tr it, what they're having trouble doing, and I will say this again, is finding welders for ten dollars an hour. Now everyone knows, and there's good research on this. If they want to offer a wage that would attract welders, they'd have plenty of welders. Uh, but then that gets you to outsourcing, gets to the fact that they have rigged the economy, and WEDEC is part of this, so that we are competing against the lowest wage economies in the in the world, many of whom don't don't uh, kill you if you try to form a union, literally. So there you have it. But shoddy shoddy politicians, shoddy journalism, more confusion of the public, more discussion of the economy somehow being some natural weather event. No one's responsible except the workers. All right. No, Robert, I knew you would be fired up with, <laughs> with this information. Uh, it's well, there's one other little nugget I want to throw out that happened this week. And um, we've been talking a lot about Johnson Controls. Well, excuse me, it's now Johnson Controls International. This would be the now Irish based uh, company that no longer uh, is based here in Wisconsin. It, it's operating here. But uh, let's remember it's lead from Wisconsin, but not based. Oh here. yes, but uh, sorry, they're Irish based. They threw a big uh, uh, party this but, week. But they're requiring their CEO to move here within a year. <laughs>
Oh, Jorna, Jorna, Jorna. You mentioned CEOs. We ought to mention the chairman, by the way, the chairman of Johnson Controls. We've talked about this fine fellow. Um, he, of course, says that them going Irish had nothing to do with the $150 million in U.S. tax breaks that they're going to get tax avoidance. Let's be, let's be very clear here. That doesn't go into, we've talked about the money that they've gotten from Walker's Jobs Agency, WEDAC, that they've outsourced jobs. And by the way, I thought they were great community partners. They're well, uh, corporate citizens. No, 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 no. Here's what actually happened. So there was a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, and the rainbow <laughs> ended at Weedek. Lucky charms. <laughs> They're magically money. delicious. It, this is it how is we want. Magically bad for Wisconsin. Shocker. <laughs> In the current uh, uh, financial capitalism that we're suffering through right now, uh, this is what innovation is. Not creating anything to actually help someone. Innovation is finding, uh, figuring out how to avoid. Uh, supporting the community that has made your profits possible and and the workers who make your profits possible. Look, no doubt the chairman from Johnson Controls is doing the Irish jig this week. He's got a $74 million golden parachute and $20 million in retentions. By the way, that's getting fairly close to that tax avoidance number that they're getting annually. So good job. He definitely delivered, but uh, I think it's fairly safe to say it's... Uh, less than clear how this is going to help he the average worker in Wisconsin. He his big bonus with our money. It's great. So in response to all this, obviously there are elections going on, and uh, Senator, soon-to-be Senator Russ Feingold, former Senator Russ Feingold, launched uh, a, a big tour this week to really big big push around jobs in the economy. Put a focus on all the stuff that we've been talking about. And uh, he had a big event here in Milwaukee, events all around the state, up in the Fox Valley, and really underscoring how terrible Ron Johnson has been on this issue, in particular continues not to have a position on TPP, whereas Russ Feingold Feingold continues to stake out, you know, clear opposition and understanding the kind of economy we need to to create here in Wisconsin. Is it because Russ Feingold actually understands people and Ron Johnson is just some sort of weird animatronic robot who has no feelings? Yeah, I think I saw that ad. That's uh, <laughs> that's pretty much what's up. Uh, what I want to get Robert to comment on this week, uh, we record obviously on Thursday, but later this afternoon... Citizen Action is launching its outsourced Wisconsin tour, I guess hot on the heels of Russ Feingold, um, here in Milwaukee to draw attention to all of the outsourcing that has been going on. And I, last week we talked about the, the numbers we, we released that showed over 11,000 jobs officially through federal trade adjustment have been outsourced in Wisconsin uh, in, the, in the last six years. And so this tour is going to start at Rexnard, who has, if I'm correct, received uh, WEDEC and state state job agency money and has outsourced jobs. Robert, tell us more about the outsourced Wisconsin tour. Well, we were told we wanted to talk about the rigged economy and the smoking gun of the rigged economy is outsourcing. It does not happen because it's bad weather, which is what we saw from the Journal Sentinel. There's just not enough workers, coverage. Robert. Headwinds. It's not enough workers. Not skilled. It has to do with rigging the global trade uh, system. Uh, to encourage it uh, and enable it. And it also has to do with state economic development policies at WEDEC, which actually believe it's a good idea and therefore also encourage it. So 
they negotiate such good deals. And I, I'm not one who says this is out of incompetence. I think this is willful on their part, okay? And too many journalists simply think we act at, we, like we act incompetent as opposed to willfully disregarding the interest of the state and workers. Uh, they're literally giving company money to companies uh, to create jobs who then in turn outsource more jobs than they create. What a deal. I mean, even even Donald Trump, he was so inclined, could probably negotiate so a better deal than that. So the maths. <laughs> so Rex Nord... Uh, a, a, a big manufacturer in Milwaukee that goes way back to the golden age of manufacturing in Milwaukee in the late 19th, early 20th century, um, has just during, since WEDEC was founded in 2011, uh, scarfed up $2.75 million in tax credits, Yummy. loans. Uh, and they have so far created far fewer jobs than they have outsourced as tracked by the Department of Labor. So right now we have 130 jobs, more jobs outsourced than created. Now they have promised some additional jobs in the future if they were to fulfill all these promises and if WEDEC was to actually validate that. We know WEDEC doesn't actually believe in tracking uh, these, uh, these goals. And in fact, when a company doesn't meet its goals, they simply change the contract, FYI. Uh, but even if they did, they would still not create as many jobs as they've outsourced. So $2.7 million, $5 million for less than nothing. Wouldn't it be easy uh, to simply adopt Setter Hansen, Representative Jorgensen, and Representative Colstie's bill to say that if a company outsources jobs, it's not eligible for this money for five years. And then we would reward good corporate citizens that are actually increasing the number of jobs or do what Setter Loss and Representative Barca have said is, is that require a net number of jobs, hold them to a net, they refuse to do that as well, which, again, is the smoking gun of the rigged economy and they're part of it. And people should be outraged, and that's what our tour will be showing. But it, it's easier to see if you go place by place and point out what's happening in every uh, metro area of Wisconsin. So this tour is going to travel around Wisconsin, and we are going to have an announcement additional locations um we will hopefully have some more of those next week on the it's podcast a little bit of a treasure hunt so you can try to guess who who the next target will be yes uh where's waldo in wisconsin there so, are so many options it's gonna be hard to guess that's the, that's the scandal of it so before we go there is one final topic we need to talk about i know we're totally immersed in election season but uh you know after those elections there's a budget that needs to be written next year here in the state and biannual budget. I know, uh, Jorna, we're back into the policy and the numbers. But uh, last week, uh, new numbers came out from our Legislative Fiscal Bureau that showed that our tax revenues are down and not as high as what is projected, about $85 million short. Um, and so this on top of already what we know is a tight fiscal situation. We mentioned the job situation and the economy. Um, but this has led the Republicans have in the assembly have announced their latest plan for what they're going to do next year. Jorn, I want to get your thoughts if you had a chance to peruse the bill of goods that they got. Well, only a little bit. And um, I think I just want to point out my favorite part so far that we face a one billion shortfall for roads funding, uh, roads funding, not transportation or alternative transportation funding, but roads funding. And that one of the options on the table, oh my God, this is so awesome, um, is naming rights of roads or projects. So I'm super excited about driving on the Piggly Wiggly 94 West when I go to Madison. Very good. That's a good idea, Piggly Wiggly. 
How about the, the Rexnord Highway out of the state? I was just going to say, <laughs> there you go, Robert. That's, the that's Johnson good. controls 43 south to Chicago, <laughs> straight to the airport, over to Ireland. The Johnson controls in, inversion uh, way. Inversion highway. Way. <laughs> direct southwest flight from Dublin. Right. And maybe we get some more Irish pubs. There could be some kind of advantage. Look, hey, uh, on the sort of macro at what the Republicans and the Assembly released, first of all, it all, for the most part, sounds good. Robert, you like to talk about tinsel. There's a lot of tinsel here. You have to <laughs> scrape away the surface tinsel yes. to get to the real tinsel underneath. Uh, I did read the whole thing and hopefully didn't lose too many brain cells. So I don't necessarily, that's a warning, a trigger warning to, to everyone else in the audience. Uh, but without getting into its fine details and all the wonderful, warm and fuzzy things it's doing for apple pie and children... And, uh, and baseball. Um, let me just say there is uh, one serious little policy nugget in there that is toll roads. So look forward to that. Apparently it's important for us to pay for the road builders to build more unnecessary highways uh, because you can see where the, uh, where you can follow the money on that one uh, to quote Deep Throat in the Watergate scandal. Uh, but I just want to point out without jumping into the too much detail here, that this very much follows the script that came out of the 2012 disaster for the Koch brothers' funding network, not just the Koch brothers, but all the other billionaires at their table. Uh, they took months and months to figure out why they had not elected Mitt Romney. They thought when they spent their $800 million, they would definitely uh, win that election. And they came around to the idea, and this is all in Jane Mayer, Mayer's book, Dark Money, uh, that uh, too many voters saw them as harsh hmm. and uh, uh, the policy director, Richard Fink, for the Koch brothers said, you know, when I see a homeless person who comes up to me and wants help, I think, I worked hard for what I got. Why don't you work hard? But apparently that kind of sentiment turns off everyone but the most conservative voters. So we need to act like we care about these things. That's why Paul Ryan, I would suspect, cares about poverty while proposing budgets that dramatically cut all the programs for poverty. So... The uh, forward plan is full of that. They are all about everyone having a job and a first-class education and great health care and everything else. And in order to do that, give more money to rich people and cut every all of our investments in these areas. That's it, that, but all said in code words, so it seems like friendly. It's sort of like uh, having a really sugary kind of poison to, yeah. to drink your poison down with, right? Really sweet and delicious. Well, look, folks, if... Uh if you want to believe the tinsel they're throwing on the tree, I think you might want to just take a look at the Charlie Brown tree we've had for the last six, seven years here under Walker. By the way, uh, the other funny thing, if you look at it, is, is that since they're trying to do kind of modern advertising techniques, they try to show their various members of their caucus in situations with sympathetic people like children or seniors. Take a look and see what a hard job they have making their, uh, their various caucus members look sympathetic and appealing in these situations when they could have taken endless takes of each picture. So that you can have a little comedy there looking at it. it, it there, there's a little irony in these, in these little setup kind of photo ops. So with that, we are moving to our weekend furlough section, Jorna. What's going on this weekend when you're not uh, politically motivating people? Um, I am actually headed up to Door County this weekend to ride in the Door County Century Ride with my dad. Oh, that sounds excellent. Yeah. Robert, how, how, how's everything going uh, down south with your mother? Uh, she's back at home and making her way around the house with her walker. So I'm going to go down this weekend. 
Um, I also have a board meeting down there on Sunday. I'm on the board of In These Times Magazine, which I do highly recommend uh, as the really the journal of the revolution. Uh, that uh, for, as far as the progressive journals, it's doing very, very well and doing and doing a good job. Um, also, though, um, in football, it is the first Pitt Penn State game in 16 years. Uh, now that the that the stranglehold of Joe Paterno has been ended over over football in Pennsylvania. So that's a huge deal. Are you speaking English? <laughs> you know who Joe Pye is, Joe Paterno. No, of course and you, I don't. And you know who Jerry Sandusky sportsing, is sports, and about the, the child sex abuse scandal at Penn State. But anyway, so some of our good friends are going. I know that Jason Seidner from AFSME, who is a Penn State grad, and Scott Ross, who is also a Pitt grad, as I am, uh, will be there in person. I unfortunately did not arrange that, though I have a very good friend who's the chair of the Department of Penn State, so I may be able to get tickets to the game at Penn State next year if I start planning ahead. Seems like a rivalry that ought to have been renewed. Um, obviously, shout out to the Badgers. Wow. Beating wow. LSU last weekend, I must admit, very surprised when I was at the Sheboygan County Fair dirt track race and uh, got on my phone and saw that they had won that. That's uh, huge. Uh, first week of the NFL, I did my fantasy football league draft last night, so I am a little bit tired today. Uh, but uh, we'll see if I do better than the close to last place I finished last year. Um, this weekend, I've got a doubleheader of racing uh, with both my sons who will be racing at the Beaver Cycle Club, the state's oldest dirt track club in uh, in Wisconsin. So uh, folks want to come out Saturday night and Sunday afternoon. With that, we want to thank Brian Wildridge, who produces and makes the podcast happen every weekend. Couldn't do it without him. And of course, want to thank Nicole Safar from Planned Parenthood Advocates of Wisconsin for joining us. And we'll see y'all next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin. Thank you.